Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. This edition is sponsored by our guidebook, which is available from our website, outbackway.org.au. Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. I am Helen Lewis. Buckle up as we take you on Australia's longest shortcut, a journey through the heart of Australia. Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. Today it gives me great pleasure to introduce Peter Homan, who is the General Manager of the Outback Queensland Tourism Association. Peter, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Helen. That's great. So, Peter, the Outback Queensland Tourism area is enormous. Uh, how, how do you uh, explain that to people, what the area that your um, regional tourism organisation covers? Yeah, it is big, Helen. You're right. So we, we cover about 65% of the state and we're yeah. pretty much from Mount Isa right over to um, the eastern end of uh, the Huendon Shire or the Flinders Shire and then sort of take a, a latitude or a longitude line straight down to the St George area and then everything over to both the Territory border and South Australia border and the New South Wales border. We run right along the bottom of that as well. So very, very big area. Exceptional part of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is, and 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 you know, it's uh, people are, are coming in increasing numbers to have a look at that authentic piece of Australia as well. Yeah, absolutely. And for the tourism season, how's that been travelling? And I guess with the drought and things, people have been really encouraged to keep on travelling and uh, yeah, get out to these towns. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's been the big message from everyone. You know, the one way that they can contribute to the drought is to actually come to these smaller towns and communities and um, and bring their tourism dollars with them and spend it in the local in the local retailers and yeah and that that multiplier effect goes right through these local communities you know i think you know there's been statistical figures over over the years that you get sort of six to seven dollars in a multiplier effect for every dollar spent so yeah that's no, a really good way of, of building up the resilience of these local communities in such a bad time yeah and how you've been involved for a while how long have you been general manager now it's been a few years it has. It's kind of, it goes pretty quick, doesn't it? And the older you get, yeah. the, the quicker it goes. But it's coming up to four and a half years, I've been, I've been, uh, been uh, the boss of the Outback Queensland Tourism Association. I've thoroughly yeah, loved it. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah. what, in that time, how have you seen businesses, uh, tourism businesses, change and improve and develop? You know, throughout over that time, I guess, offering and and then, you know the different offerings they have changed or where mm. where where has been the trend? that has caused the biggest movement in regards to what tourism operators provide? Yeah, I think the biggest difference is the local government associations. They've all, in my time when I first took over, they were very heavily uh, focused on the ag industry, but now they've got a really big focus on tourism. They see that as as filling the gap during the the times of drought, but even when um, the drought breaks, you know, tourism will continue to climb and, and will create lots of opportunities for for growth in population and growth in jobs as well. The LGAs or the government, local government associations have invested heavily in tourism, both through uh, infrastructure with more dump points, with you know, more areas for the, for the caravans to park up on. Uh, they've invested heavily in their visitor information centres. And then, of course, there's all the industry have been really heavily investing as well. And some of the attractions out west, like Qantas Founders Museum, Stockman's Hall of Fame, they both got... Uh, significant grants before uh, Christmas last year to, to to upgrade their facilities. And as you know, Walter Matilda Centre came back online this year and that's been a huge boost for tourism in the West. Australian Age of Dinosaurs continue to, to plan for the future and they've got some really smart things happening with a dark sky coming up and 
you know, a, a phase three of their uh, of their project. So, you know, a lot to look forward to, and the numbers have been great. But right across the board, everyone's been investing in tourism, whether it be the the very tiny little cafe or right up to these huge attractions. So, yeah. a lot of investment, and we've and we've seen the results of that. You know, and and growth has been great over the last three years, and. Wherever I go and I talk to people about it, it comes back to the investment by everyone. You know, if without that investment, there would be there just wouldn't be the facilities to cope with them. Yeah, so I think that local governments who invest really and, and provide that can do. They open they open the gates for other businesses to invest in in their tourism areas and develop products, and and it gives incentive, doesn't it, to other businesses to say, well, okay, this is this is a goer. We've got a supportive local government. Let's get busy and make this product as good as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And then they advocate as well. You know, the LGAs have been really strong on advocating for better better pricing on airfares, better routes, better scheduling, all that sort of thing. So not only do they make the environment great for investing or to, to build your product up, they also advocate for better accessibility as well. So yeah. that, that change of, of moving from an ag focus to a tourism focus has benefited everyone and, and creates a better living uh, or livability index for those who are who live in those areas yeah absolutely and like a byproduct is beautification isn't it that has to then enhance people's desire to live there and so people want to move out there and set up and so populations start to grow and all those things happen yeah and, and you're right because tourism provides that that sense of pride in a community you know when people are coming into town and they say oh you know, they stop them in the street or they talk to them in a cafe or they could be at the hairdressers or wherever and they say, you know, uh, what can I do around here? And that local then is filled with a sense of pride about, you know, telling them about all the great places they can visit in their community and it really bonds the community together. So tourism does more than just put money into into the community. It actually adds a whole another, you know, layer to the community and that, that sense of bonding. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And so if we look at the products and uh, and tours or anything that's new in the area in regards to Outback Queensland tourism that you know, you'd like to talk about, that'd be great. We've got travellers on the road and it just really helps us if we keep them up to date with what, what to Google and uh, what to find out about. One of the big things that we uh, we need more of in the Outback is uh, more hotels and more accommodation places. And, and there's a whole lot of plans going in right across the Outback for... Uh, for more accommodation, so hold your hat on that. But some of the things have been working really well. Julia Creek installed some external uh, baths where you can um, lay in the bath. You've got complete privacy. They deliver a, a, a cheese platter and you bring your own wine and you can view the beautiful vistas and look at the night sky. And they are, I think you get half an hour in them or an hour each, and they are booked out solidly every day. And they're about to uh, put more of those in. Wonderful. As I mentioned, Qantas got uh, 11 million just before Christmas, and they're going to build a roof over at Qantas Founders Museum. Going to build a roof over their their plane, so it'll it'll have a two-dimensional or three-dimensional outcome from that. Is one is you, it'll protect the planes from the from the sun. Secondly, you'll be able to, it'll have a walk right around the top, so you'll be able to see the planes from above and look down. And thirdly, they're going to do a luminescent um, display underneath on, onto that onto that roof, which will look spectacular. 
uh, and they've got plans. All those plans are in place now to start building. Uh, the Walsing Matilda Centre, as we mentioned before, it came on stream in, in April after three years, you know, from the time it burnt down. And they've totally changed the interior of it. The architectural style of the building is very similar to the Australian Age of Dinosaurs and done by the same architect, but it is, it is powerful when you walk inside there. And, and if you actually don't know the story of how the building was built, it, it, it doesn't grab you as much as when one of the locals tells you about why the lights are put where they are and, and why that stone is put where, where it's put. And it's just a very powerful story about giving you the essence of being in the outback and giving you that whole story about Banjo Patterson and, and how the song was put to paper in the first place. So that's all really good. Stockman's Hall of Fame, they're, they're going to build a whole new section out the back. They put the whole new entertainment centre out there where, where it's all weather and they do their night shows now there. So... Their night shows now consist of uh, a lot of horse, horsemanship, uh, a lot of um, stock work, uh, a lot of singing. It's just a very, very good night down there. And that all-weather entertainment uh, area uh, just means that they can, um, you know, put it on in any time of year. It means the local um, equestrian groups and horse groups can use that facility during the, the day in summer. And it's, it's cool underneath and you're not out in the blazing sun. So it's a really good facility for everyone. Yeah, and actually that's um, that's, uh, that's what one thing you notice though in outback or you know in rural communities is that a asset like that is multi-purpose. That I think is the added value that in you know remote and rural places, every everything has to really it's only really valuable if it's used a lot. So yeah, let's open yeah. the doors up and let as many people use this as possible within the community as well as run a business through it. I think that's a, a really valuable attribute of rural tourism. Yeah, it's so true. And um, mm. and by engaging all those other groups as well, you just everyone then has a, you know, a bit of ownership about the structure as well and then they'll use yeah, it more. that's it. They'll talk yeah. to about it more. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, it's a really powerful thing. Yeah, and it's probably an unintended consequence, but it, it just deliver, it keeps delivering, and and I think that's that's such a good story. So then, yeah. with uh, with other places in the outback Queensland area, what what sort of are some of the hidden gems do you think that uh, that need need a little bit of promo or or are, are fantastic, but for whatever reason they're not as uh, well known as it could be. Yeah, look, I. You know, one of my favourites is the Dawson River, which runs down through the Banana Shire, and it's just amazing. And not a lot of people know about it. The fishing's good, the the scenery's good. You go through some gorges. The um, the national parks that sit around it are just uh, are fantastic. And just to elaborate on that a bit further, the the parks right through the outback, Wadensburg Park at Winton, uh, the Welford Park down in the Barku. Um, they're yeah. just fabulous parks that not a lot of people know about, and they just don't go there. And when the Barku's running, uh, the Barku River's running, that that um, Welford National Park is just stunning. And, and same with Bladensburg, you know. But and Bladensburg's very accessible from Winston. It's only about twenty k's out of town. So yeah, really yeah. good, um, really good things. And one another hidden gem is the um, in Charleville, and they've got a, a a very secret tour that they run now because. In the Second World War, the U.S. used um, Charleville as a secret air force base, and they've left behind a whole lot of secrets. And um, the girls at Charleville have put together a tour, and it's just fabulous. And uh, it's really good for whether whether you've got an interest in the Second World War or not. It's just very, very interesting. Some of the things that they did there, and 
how they kept themselves hidden from the um, from the Japanese and uh, yeah, really interesting tour. So if you're going through Charleville, call into the girls at the Cosmos Centre. They've just put some new 3D telescopes in as well, so it's worthwhile going to have a look at the stars from the 3D scope. So give you a bit of a more of a dimension around when you're looking at the stars at night. So really powerful thing. Yeah, they run the yeah. The World War Two secret tour out of there, so it's really good. Oh, that's great! That's a great little add-on, isn't it? That's a, mm. uh, terrific, and it just—it also just appeals to another group of people. It's good. Yeah. It does, and I didn't. You know, I've never really been interested in in um, the history of war all that much because my my dad fought in the war and I, I got it a lot at home. But uh, that tour is actually, you know, really amazing and very interesting, and gives you a total total insight into. Um, why they even moved there in the first place a long, long way from from a major city, and they they did that for a reason. So yeah, no, it's it's mm. uh, and they developed a whole lot of scientific things out there to to help the planes, to help the bombers, and yeah, I, I was fascinated by the whole tour. Lot exciting things happening out out west. We've got a lot more um, farm stays or, or home stays on properties and. You know, it's, it's always difficult for a for a grazer or a property owner to get into tourism. You know, they have to dedicate and devote a lot of time and resources to it. But more and more have been doing it, and they've um, they've really seen the benefit of opening up their farms, not only from a, an income point of view, but also because they you know they get to meet a whole lot of uh, new people and people from all over the world, and uh, it's been really good for them, particularly in times of, of drought. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, and it, it shares the understanding of the agricultural business as well and and the trials and tribulations, the, the good times as well, I guess. So, yeah, yeah that's a really yeah, good thing. Is. You know, you, you can get bogged in red tape, which makes it really unattractive or very expensive in some areas for that to happen. And if you've got good councils that are being proactive and actually making it much easier. Yeah, it certainly does. If the local governments can make that easier, it just makes it so much more attractive to the um, to the entrepreneurs of the world. Yeah, and it's and it's also good good risk management in regards to climate and uh, and you know we can't control the rain, but we can market our business and and get people coming yeah. to the gate. I can't get over the the demand wherever we go continues to rise. Agri tourism is quite big too, right across the board. And I thought the last thing that a sheep farmer from New Zealand would want to do is go and visit a sheep farmer in the outback, but they do. So I thought they would have wanted to go on a on a beach holiday in the with Sundays or or Cairns, but no, they want to come and see sheep farmers in the outback. So it's mm. uh, it's a very strong and growing part of the business out west. Yeah, that's really good. I'm pleased to hear that. You had a, a program running within the Outback Queensland Tourism Association called Outback Mate for three and a half years now. So give, give uh, listeners an idea of, of the impetus for that, but also then um, how people can get involved with that program. Sure, sure. And and the genesis of, of the program was was a, was a local government initiative, actually, back uh, back a few years before I started by the Buckled and, and McKinley Shire Councils, where that they started the program up to so then when people came into town they would see a council work on the side of the road with his outback mates emblem on his uh, work shirt and they would uh, they would ask all the questions that they wanted answered you know where can I get gas from a car you know where can I you know go fishing where can I get that beautiful sunset shot and they would get some local uh, workers advice but of course that didn't really work that well because you don't always find a worker and 
and you probably shouldn't be taking up too much of their time. But what we did was we changed it slightly and we um, we introduced a passport system. So the more visitor information centres that they that the customer walked into with their Outback Mate passport, they would get them stamped and they would go in the draw to win prizes. And we encourage people to go into the to the VICs rather than talk to a worker on the side of the street because, you know, that's where the information is held for tourism is in the, in the visitor information centres and it, you know, we encourage them to go in there and that's, that's where the program sits now. We've had a, a really good success, you know, over the past year. We've, we've sort of grown that to just over 150,000 or so. We expect to be about 250,000 mates by sometime next year and um, the program's been growing quite strongly and it's all about, there's a reward component in there as well. If they go into certain businesses, they get... They might get a discount on the fuel, or they might get um, a free cup of coffee with dinner or a free glass of wine. So there's a whole range of deals associated with it too. But, you know, what we're, we're still trying to encourage is that people stay in region longer, get good value for their money, and um, find out all those really, you know, secret spots that only locals know. And, as you know, we all search the internet whenever we're going somewhere, but you don't always get all the information, and you, a lot of the time you don't get the the, the local information, which is what we're trying to impart through that program, so mm. to give to give people you know an idea of what, where the lo- what the locals do on the weekend and how they spend their time and all the little secret spots that they know of, you know those great fishing spots and those great places to take a sunset shot or you know a great touring route up the back country or you know a shortcut from this town to that town or a great place to go and visit a waterhole and. All those things that you don't often see on maps or you can't find on the internet. So yeah, and it's a really encouraging program, and we're we're very excited about the um, the growth in numbers, particularly over the last year. So it's been it's been wonderful. It's good, and it's a terrific way of making sure that the VICs are the point of contact in the towns because there's a lot of effort that goes into uh, presenting the town at the VICs, the visitor information centres, and it's a great. Uh, it's a great way of making yeah. sure that all that effort is actually uh, seen by everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, so. it's been a decline because of, you know, our ability to pull our phone out of our pocket or our purse and, and Google. There's been a decline in people, you know, actually walking yeah. into visitor information centres because, you know, Dr Google uh, can solve all our problems very quickly. But it's not always the case because Google's only good if that information's been shared. And uh, a lot of the outback towns still, you know, especially the accommodation, are still not online. So when you Google certain towns, you might think there's no accommodation there, but but there actually is. And the the visitor information centres are are certainly the ones that can help you with that information because they they know it all. Local knowledge, yeah, you can't you can't rely on Google out out west. The other thing that Google doesn't do very well out west is the is Google Maps. You know, it's, no. um, they get they get the distances wrong all the time, and it's something we're trying to work on because uh, a lot of the, the information comes actually comes from the LGAs, and um, we're not sure whether Google gets the right information or or what they do with it. But certainly, sometimes it'll say you've got a four-hour trip, and it's really only an hour and forty minutes up the road. So, we'll, we'll yeah. try and fix that somehow. I know. Well, we we had the uh, situation with the Outback Way that um, if you put um, Outback Way, it was quicker to walk than drive to Alice <laughs> Springs. We were fortunate to have Rob Mullally, who is uh, a photographer for Google, 
and uh, he managed to get our Google Maps update on Google for us, oh, which good. was great. But it took, it took three months, the need to make sure you pop into your local BIC yeah. and actually get the yeah. local lowdown rather than rely on, yeah. on the phone all the time. Mm. Yes, yeah. Oh, no, that's really great. Thank you for that, Peter. And overall, you know, the tourism is a moving feast. How are you uh, moving forward in regards as an organisation? Yeah, look, um, yeah, thanks, Helen. Like, as a, from an organisational point of view, what, we've, uh, what we're trying to do is partner with our members more than what we've ever done before, and um, particularly around events, which just give us such great dispersal in the outback, and we can really feel when an, an event's on. And I've been in and around events for you know the last 25 years, and some events give you great dispersal, and, and other events just don't. You, you know, they're more of a community event, but Nearly every event in the outback is a tourism event, and they create great dispersal. And one of the ways we're we're working with our our partners is by um, we've got a great new way of uh, converting people through all our our channels, our digital channels, our social media channels, and converting them into buying tickets to these events. And um, we did a little pro- project pilot project just with the with the radio recently and uh, it was powerful. The numbers that came through were just, you know, blew us away to the point we thought we had them wrong. We thought the numbers were actually wrong and we ran another little project just on the Birdsville races when they were on a few weeks ago and uh, the numbers just stacked up really well again. So it's something that we'll be working with our, with our event partners really strongly next year and, um, and, and driving ticket sales into their events. So, and, and it is a very powerful way of doing it. And so that's one side. Another side is we've, We've started up a, another sort of separate company where we're offering a whole range of services on a, on a um, you know fee a fee basis to our members, and um, that yep. seems to be working incredibly well as well. So we've gone from being very much a destination marketing company to being um, much more around partnering with our members and uh, giving them more value for for their uh, for what they're doing in the outback, and it's, it's been working really That's well. Right. And I guess also some of those offerings um, would be able to enhance the business management, enhance customer service, yeah. enhance all yeah. those things that actually make the business flourish um, and, and rewarded because they're delivering a great product and their service. And, and so that sort of really starts to build the capacity in the entry towns. So that's actually, that would be really it, good. It, it does. And, you know, we've been fortunate. The, um, the state government's given us a, a couple of, pots of money recently one is to which was all about infrastructure in the outback so uh, we went we went to market we, we went for a bit of a, a road show right through the outback and um, talked to a whole lot of people about you know what did they need and uh, told them how they could apply for the funds and we also got a, another little pot of money which we're going to run capacity building classes with and you know we have been doing that over the last few years but we always we were, we were paying for it ourselves, so we've been very fortunate to get that little build capacity or build all those things that you were just talking about, you know, customer service and your business profile and looking at your business and, and what, what's needed. And um, we'll be able to do a whole lot more of that across the outback over the next three years. So apparently the funding's for three years, so we're looking forward to getting that, that moving in sort of late January next year. I really hope that a lot of businesses take those opportunities up because... It's only going to grow what their capacity is, and it's good. Yeah, yeah. it certainly will. And, and, you know, we can market to the cows from home, as you know, 
Mm. But if you don't have the capacity to, to cater for people when they're moving into your area, then then you've got a serious problem. So we've sort of shifted. We're still marketing. You know, we'll still be marketing, but our focus will be over the next couple of years will be on building capacity, building the development of the businesses that are already there and, and, and attracting new ones. Very exciting future. I think so. And I think the Outback's got a lot to offer for, for many, many years to come. You know, it's really only been in tourism for the past 30 years, since uh, roughly around when the Stockman's Hall of Fame was first built. And it's come a long way in 30 years. And um, if the growth continues the same way, we, we run at about three times the, the average state uh, numbers in visitation. So the state's usually growing at about 3%. We're up around 11 um, wow. for the past three years. So it's been really strong, but we need to build capacity. We can't keep growing those numbers without growing the capacity as well. So that, uh, that'll be our focus now for a little while. Yeah. On the Outback Way, we noticed that um, lack of capacity in regards to Plenty Highway. There's nowhere besides Gem 2, which is only an hour and a half out of hours, to stay mm. between Gem 3 and Bullia. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, besides a camp, a camp at Tobermory, mm. but well, you do the do the long day trip for about eight hours between Gem 3 and Bullia. So the investment in in infrastructure on routes and uh, and as you say, even in the towns, because of the increased events and activity. Uh, all that will actually help just keep yeah. keep that growth yeah. happening. It'll be good. Mm. Yeah, you guys have been doing an amazing job on the Outback Way. I've got to say, it's you're very well, very active, and and it shows. It's uh, you know you've just been doing a great job. So yeah, well done. Yeah, well that's excellent. Thank you. Well, it's, just, it's great having having the support and the connections across the country. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but you've done you've done that. Lots of people. Job. Really, for such a long route, you've done uh, you've done incredibly yeah. well to pull it all together. Yeah, no, that's really good. Well, thanks, Peter. That's really terrific. Very good. Well, uh, thank you for your support for the Outback Way and for being part of our podcast. And uh, it's been really interesting talking to you. And I'm, you know, wish uh, the Outback Queensland Tourism Association and yourself uh, every success going forward. And no doubt we'll be talking in the next twelve months to get an update and see how things sure are going. Yeah, and yeah. thanks for the opportunity of talking to Helen. That, that's really wonderful. No, terrific. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Right okay. then. Cheers. Bye, now. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you all very much for joining us on the Outback Way podcast. And uh, we're very conscious that uh, although the Outback Way starts in Winton and finishes in Laverton, we've got a, a, there's a long way between coast and coast to get to those uh, places. And so the whole of Outback Queensland, whole of Outback uh, Western Australia, and as well as the uh, north and south in the Territory in South Australia, are uh, all areas that feed into and onto the Outback Way. So thanks for joining us and uh, travel safely and enjoy your travels. Thank you for tuning into the Outback Way podcast. Our notes and links will be on our website, outbackway.org.au. You can subscribe to our newsletter, buy our guidebook and download the app if you haven't already. Please join us on Facebook. Outback Way, Australia's longest shortcut, and on Twitter at Outback Way One. The Outback Way podcast is all about your trip. We're really trying to make it easier for you and give you valuable information to make it more enjoyable. So we'd love your feedback. Send your questions, comments, and travel stories to info at outbackway.org.au. And if you share your story, we may even feature you on this podcast. Thank you for joining us through the heart of Australia on Australia's Longest Shortcut. Cheers for now.